0: Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming today. We're glad that you're here, and it's always a blessing to uh, celebrate the Lord's Supper together, to have communion, and to worship God together, and, and uh, thank you for coming. We're glad that you're here. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the last chapter in John, which is John 21, and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. John 21. Do you remember playing this game when you were a kid? Shoots and ladders, right? I am convinced that this is one of the most diabolical games that has ever been invented, right? Here's what: you go up a little tiny ladder, and then you get like, like, like a, if I remember right, it's like up in the upper right-hand corner, little tiny ladder, and then you take the you take the shoot all the way down to the bottom and have to start all over again. At least that's my memory, and I really haven't. Got over the defeat of shoots and ladders in my life, but I was thinking this week, um, the Christian life is a lot like shoots and ladders, and that's what we're going to talk about. Swin- uh, Chuck Swindoll, a few years ago, wrote a book that was called Three Steps Forward, Two Steps Back." Remember that book? Some of you, some of you saw it. I'm convinced that in my life, it's often, you know, two steps forward, three steps back. That we, we get that, that the uh, Christian life is, is a set of uh, victories, but sometimes defeats, sometimes discouragements, and maybe that's human nature. What I want to talk with you about this morning is about a man in Scripture that went through that too. I don't think that shoots and ladders were invented then, but spiritually speaking, the Apostle Peter that we're going to look at in the Gospel of John chapter 21 went through that as well. The last time that I spoke, I talked with you also from the Gospels from Luke about the great decision. And what I want to talk with you about this morning is what I'm calling the great commitment. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Apostle Peter's life and how the Apostle Peter went from a guy that had incredible victories, incredible steps ahead, you know, the ladder part of it, but then also the shoots part of it, where he went through some dumb things I mean he was a guy who put his foot in his mouth he was some he was a guy that had a lot of great things but also did some dumb things and we're going to look about that in just a minute <laughs> this um, is the last conversation that we know of that the lord had with Peter it's interesting to me that the uh, apostle John who refers to himself in this passage as the Apostle that Jesus loved and (coughs) writing to, uh, writing under inspiration of God is writing about that, but is writing a lot about Peter. And we're going to talk about Peter a little bit, and then we're going to look at um, three aspects of this conversation that happened around breakfast. I, I think this is a pretty cool story that Christ made breakfast for his disciples. And in this, he singles out Peter for this conversation, and we're going to look at that conversation. Again, if you have your Bibles, and I know Pastor Todd read several passages of Scripture this morning, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you the, uh, the slides here in just a minute. But I'm going to take the time, just for context, to read the entire chapter. I'm reading from the New King James. I'm going to read the entire chapter of John 21, and just uh, because we're going to look at Peter in just a minute, Notice how many times this one chapter talks about Peter. And then we're going to talk about the conversation that he had with the Lord in just a minute. John 21. Although our text that we're going to study together doesn't begin until verse 15. But we'll get there in just a minute. After these things, verse 1. Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus, Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Verse 6, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, "It is the Lord." Now, when Simon Peter heard it, that heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not came in in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, but about two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fish. Verse nine. Then, as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread jesus said to them bring some of the fish which you have just caught verse 11 says simon peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish 153 although there were so many the net was not broken jesus said to them come and eat breakfast yet none of the disciples dared ask him who are you knowing that it was the Lord Jesus came Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish and this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to the disciples and after he was raised from the dead verse 15 this starts our passage that we're going to look at this morning so when they had eaten breakfast Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, it's interesting by the way, um, the Lord is the one that called Simon Peter, and here he calls him Simon. Okay, interesting, we'll get back to that. Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, and he said to him, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And then verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and will carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And he said "We would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Verse 20, then Peter turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, "Who, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, verse 22, if I will, that he remain till I come, or I come back. What is that to you? You follow me then the saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die and Jesus did not say to him that he would not die but if he would remain until I come what is that to you this disciple who testifies verse 24 this is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things and we know that his testimony is true and there were and there are also many other things that Jesus did which if they were written by written one by one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. That's our passage. Let's pray. We're going to look at this conversation that Jesus had with Peter over breakfast, or had with Simon over breakfast. And uh, we'll talk about some of the things that Christ talked to Peter about. Let me pray, and we'll ask God's blessing about our, our study this morning. Father, I thank you for your word I thank you that we can gather. Thank you for Wyoming, Wyoming Valley Church, that we can come and worship and fellowship and, and uh, celebrate um, the Lord's table today. But, God, I just pray now that you'd use your word. And, Father, I just pray that my heart and all of our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us. Father, thank you for your word. And, God, I pray that you'd use your word in our hearts and our lives. Father, make us more like Jesus and help us to respond to that. In his name we pray. Amen. So I said before, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of Peter. I Forgive me for the small font, but there's a lot of highlights. Think back with me about the life of Peter from Scripture for a moment. I just outlined a few things. Believe me, there's a lot written in Scripture, and uh, we've studied 1 Peter together, Lord willing. We're going to talk about 2 Peter maybe in the fall together uh, here at the morning services. But Peter was a professional fisherman from Bethsaida which I just found, I didn't even know that, which means a town of fishermen. And that's where he's from. He was near the Sea of Galilee. He was the son of a man by the name of Jonah. Not the Old Testament Jonah. New Testament, that was his dad. Or John, that was his father. Uh, Peter was the brother of Andrew. Andrew was also a fisherman, and Andrew is the one that brought Peter to Jesus. One of the things that I love about studying characters in the Bible is to look in their humanness, to look at their characteristics. And one of the things that's true about Andrew is that Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. That's pretty good testimony, right? And Andrew was that guy. Andrew was like, yeah, he was there first, and yet he always kind of builds up Peter. And Andrew's just that loyal kind of a guy. That was Andrew. He... Peter left his family, his business, and his belongings. We talked about that the last time that I spoke, to follow Jesus. Jesus named him Peter or the rock, which is interesting. I mentioned this a couple times already, that here Jesus is being incredible, per- incredibly personal, but he calls him Simon. And we're going to talk about that because I think that what happened was Peter was going back to his old lifestyle, so the Lord went back and called him that a little bit. And we'll we'll talk more about that in a minute. But the Lord called him the rock. That was way before Dwayne Johnson. You understand that, right? The rock. Peter was called that, the rock. Okay, uh, he was married, which is interesting. In Mark 1, he had a mother-in-law, so I'm assuming that that means he's married. He was also old enough to pay... Taxes. There are a lot of people that write about the disciples that maybe most of them were teenagers at this time. Maybe the exception would be Matthew Levi, who was old enough by that time to be a tax collector already, and he was uh, so he was in this career, but maybe the others were young because Peter, in that account, is one of the only ones that had to pay taxes. He proclaimed, Peter was the one that proclaimed Jesus as the Christ. And he was the one that Jesus told him that he would build his church. That Jesus would build his church on the rock that was Jesus Christ. Not use that uh, that nickname as an analogy there, but the rock there was on Jesus, not on Peter. Peter was the one that got out of the boat to walk on the water with Jesus. He was also the one right that took his eyes off of Jesus and started to fall. And just a we can visualize that story and we remember that story from. Sunday school days. I mean, I love technology and all of that. I'm still a fan of flannel graph. Remember that? Flannel graph, guys, you can have Peter in the boat. You can have Peter walking on the water. You can have Peter sink. It's the same Peter. You know, it's pretty cool how that, that works. And kids today are impressed by YouTube. Come on, we had flannel graph, right? That was great. Peter walked on the water. Peter was with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter was one of the select people that went with the Lord there Peter's also the one that kind of put his foot in his mouth there so let's build tents let's build tabernacles and stay up here you can imagine that Jesus looked at Peter and said this this isn't real life up here this isn't what's going to keep happening let's go back down and Peter was that guy Peter was part of Jesus inner circle at the end Jesus asked Peter and the others to pray, and they fell sound asleep. But yet, Peter was the one that took out the sword and cut off the ear of the soldier that were coming after Judas uh, betrayed Jesus and so on. And Peter was that guy, highs and lows perhaps. And the greatest low probably is when the Lord told Peter that he would deny him, and Peter denied the Lord. A little, no offense, ladies, a little girl said to this rough tough fisherman you were with Jesus oh no he denied the Lord and gave an oath he that was that was the shoots part of it right way down and he went out and wept bitterly he was the first disciple though to see Jesus after Christ rose from the dead he was the first disciple he was as we're going to talk about today he was confronted by Jesus about his love and about putting love into action. Peter was that guy that became the leader, the voice, if you will. Read Acts sometime, the next book over. Peter. I think it's interesting. We're going to talk about this just for a second, in, in a minute, just, just in a little bit, that uh, when, when, this, when, when Jesus had this conversation with Peter, Peter had no idea That he was about to become the leader of the early church and that he would be the spokesman and go through all of that 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 Acts talks about. He had no idea about that. He was just meeting with the Lord and the Lord said, Peter, do you you love me? And then are you willing to do something about that? Peter was the human author by inspiration of God, of course, by first and second Peter. And then according to history, that he was martyred in Rome and that... This is, there was a, um, by the way, a little history lesson, which again, some of this I knew and some of this I never even realized until studying this again to get ready for this message today, that there was an early church father, his name was Clement, Clement of Rome, who wrote um, letters, books, books that sound an awful lot like some of the letters that we have in Scripture, but they were not written by inspiration of God. But they're historical accounts, and they're not included in Scripture. They're not meant to be Scripture. They're not ordained or inspired by God, but they're historical accounts. And Clement of Rome was around at that time, and he talks about how Peter, probably under Nero, was also crucified for being crucified, for being a follower of Jesus. And I know you know this part of the story. On his way to be crucified, Clement and other people write about that, who heard the story, that Peter begged his captors to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to even suffer in the same way that Jesus did. Here's a part of the story I never even heard before, but a guy by the name of Clement of Rome wrote about this. Peter's wife, I told you about that he was married, the Bible talks about his mother-in-law. History, this is not in Scripture, but Clement of Rome wrote this story that Peter's wife may have been crucified immediately before Peter, and Nero made him watch as they crucified his wife. And then Peter begged to be crucified upside down at the end as uh, he was martyred in Rome uh, for his faith in Jesus Christ, which, by the way, we're going to talk about that in a minute. This passage prophesies that. Jesus spoke to him about how you were going to die And ends that, how Peter was going to die. And he ends that conversation by saying, okay, now follow me. I think Peter got it that what he meant was follow, follow him no matter what. Okay, so that's Peter. We're going to talk more about him because Peter's that guy that went from circumstances rule everything. Let's stay up here, Mount of Transfiguration. Let's build tents. Let's stay here. Mel's paraphrase, uh, Jesus said to him, that's not the real world. Peter was that guy, take out his, so- take out his sword, chop-, chop off the ear. The Lord had to, ha- had to heal him. Peter's the guy, get out of the boat, and he started to sink because he took his eyes off Jesus. So he, he was that guy, incredible highs, three steps forward, two steps back, three, two steps forward, three steps back, shooting ladder kind of guy. But then we get to the end, and there's never a count of that kind of lifestyle, again, he was human. Absolutely, he was human, and sinned and made mistakes. But Peter was that guy that went from circumstances, determined what I'm going to do and how I'm going to live my life, to commitment. And I think a lot of it had to do, obviously, folks, you know this, with the resurrection of Jesus. I think a lot of it had to do with Acts 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I think some of it had to do with a conversation that he had with Jesus over breakfast one day where Jesus asked him some really hard questions so here's what I want to do I want to talk with you about we're going to do this quickly this morning three important topics from Christ's last conversation that he had with Peter and I think Peter got it certainly it was the Holy Spirit of God certainly it was a resurrected Christ But maybe over this conversation at breakfast, by Christ asking Peter some very loaded questions that Peter got it. what it takes is a commitment for me to follow Jesus. Let's talk about that for a few moments. There in your notes, we have a simple outline where Christ talked really about three things. Love the Lord, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, and then follow me, which we've talked about before. Those three things. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Three times in this account. In verse 15 and verse 16 and verse 17, where again, Jesus says to him, Simon, and we'll talk about that in just a second. I think maybe because Peter's the one that went back. He went back to fishing. So Jesus did that too. And he said, Simon, do you love me? So Christ at the very end was talking to Simon about love. And we've talked about this before. We have talked about that here about the different biblical definitions of love. And Jesus said, basically was saying this to Peter, I think, at this stage of his life. Peter, do you love me? Are you willing to commit to me? Pastor Todd this morning, I had no idea that he was going to talk about that. talked about the passage of Abraham offering his son Isaac upon the, uh, upon the altar. And Jesus said, the Lord, in in that all the way back in Genesis, the Lord said to Abraham, you know, take your son, your only son, the son whom you love, and do something about that. And so we understand that idea of love. And we're going to get to this in a second, too. We understand that God loves us, for God so loved the world that he gave. We understand God's love for us. But do we really get it, what it means for us to love God? god peter responded you know this part about this passage peter responded by basically saying it doesn't really come come through like this totally in english depending upon what translation you have but basically peter responded when the lord said to him peter do you love me peter responded by saying you know lord that i have an affection for you you know that i like you you know that i'm fond of you you know that i have that kind of love for you And in this conversation, Jesus, I think, was saying to Peter, love is a whole lot more than just having an affection. Love is doing something, and that's where we're going to get. It's a choice. It's a commitment. And that's where I said that the commitment here that that Christ wanted Peter to make was to commit his life, to move from circumstances to a commitment. Now, we understand. Let's go back to this love thing for a minute. We're talking about that, right? We understand that. Um, I hope we do. Can I give you... Uh, because this is probably on my mind. Can I give you a simple illustration about that? If you don't know, I think all of you do. My wife, Peggy, is here today. Turn around, look at her. Isn't she cute? Okay. This, wait a minute, um, Tuesday is our 43rd anniversary this week. How about that, huh? 40. Thank you. Thank you. She claps for that. 40 three years. We got married August 13th, 1976. We got married in Waterloo, Iowa. We got married on Friday the 13th. We did. Friday the 13th. Uh, tornadoes hit. You did too? It was October 16th. What it was? Friday? It, uh, no, it was a Saturday. Oh, there you go. Friday. <laughs> tornadoes hit down all over town. Uh, you know, I, uh, I remember I was in the back room, scared out of my mind with my brothers that were my best men and, you know, and go go out and shaken in, in this, uh, it was the seventies brown suit that I had for my wedding and, and scared out of my mind. But she said yes. And uh, we got married and that was 43 years ago. So if you humanly, we understand love, right? We understand. So I'm going to talk about Peggy, today for a few minutes. You know uh, how do I demonstrate my love for Peggy? I'll tell you about one time. Um, a few years, several years ago now, kids were young. I, I actually, guys, you ought to, you need to write this down seriously. I actually surprised Peggy with a trip to Florida. Totally surprised her. She was at a meeting at the college, and I knew what time she got out of the meeting, and so I met her. Uh, at the main building of our college and uh, to give her a ride. She gets in the car and she says, if you know her, you know her personality, immediately she jumps to conclusions and said, isn't that nice, you're gonna give me a ride home? That was probably like a three block walk. Yeah, okay, Peg, whatever you wanna think, okay? We drove off campus. Peggy said, isn't that nice, you're taking me out for coffee? Well, believe what you want, okay? While we're driving, I reached in the back, and I had... This was uh, November, maybe? December? Yes. December, early December, maybe. And I said, actually, I wanted to give you um, your Christmas presents early. And I reached in the back, and the first present that I gave her, she unwrapped it there in the car, was a inflated Disneyland beach ball. She's like... Um, Mel, you've lost your mind. And I said, just keep opening. The next present that I had her open was a bottle of suntan lotion. She said, what's going on? The third par- present that I had her open was uh, Dramamine, <laughs> air sickness pills, because I was going to fly with her and didn't want that to happen. And so she said, Mel, you're scaring me. And I said, the fourth present, open it up, was airplane tickets. Back in the days where you actually had to have tickets. And she said to me, where are you going this time? And I said, Peg, there's two tickets. Look at the tickets. And she's like, okay, Scranton, Philadelphia, Orlando. And she's like, well, where are we go- when are we going? And I said, we're on our way right now. I had uh, packed her stuff, I, um, ladies, I didn't do a good job at that. Anything that looked like makeup, I threw in. I, uh, we went to Florida, I forgot her bathing suit, um, and so that didn't go well. So immediately, once Peg figured all that out, uh, she called the kids to make sure they were okay, and uh, I got a babysitter. Uh, she was teaching, I took care of all of that, she was Sunday school class, I took care of all of that. And surprised her for this trip. So I just wanted to tell you, okay, that ranks, you know, high up on this list of romance, right? Like romantic thing. And we've been married 43 years, and I did that once. Exactly. Because if I were to say to Peggy, you know, Peggy, do you love me? Or if she were to say to me, Mel, do you love me? Then my response ought to be, yes, because I'm willing to do the things that you want me to do. And it's not necessarily always surprise trips to Florida. Sometimes it means, right, sitting and listening. Sometimes it means spending time together. Sometimes it means doing chores around the house. Sometimes it means a lot of different things. If I love her, then that means that I'll do things with her and for her, things that she wants me to do. And so I think now we get it, right, a human illustration that helps us get this point where the Lord said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? It's not just a one-time thing. It's not just saying you love me. It's doing something about it. And I think here it's doing the things that the Lord wanted him to do. Again, I'll say that we know a lot. We hear a lot. We've heard a lot of messages about the Lord's love for us. John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son but here the Lord is talking to Peter about Peter's love for him and so folks I think this this is probably the most convicting part for me as I got ready for this message and that is do we love the Lord enough in our lives to do what God wants us to do with our lives now Look at here what he says. Bold print on the PowerPoint. It shouts out at us. He said, the Lord said to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? What do you think it was that the Lord was talking about? I think if we drop back to verse 11, now the huge catch of fish. I, I love the fact that the Lord says inspiration of God. There was 153 fish. I love that a part of the story. But it was so there were so many fish that the disciples in the boat couldn't carry it. But here Peter's dragging these fish up to the Lord. Verse 11. Peter went up and dragged the net to to land full of large fish, 153. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. So later on, when the Lord is saying to Peter, Peter, do you love me, Simon? Do you love me more than these don't you think that the Lord probably did just what I did and said look around the boat was there the nets were there the other fishermen were there that was Peter's past that was his uh, background that was that was what he was going back to and so the Lord said to Peter do you love me more than these And I think what he was wanting Peter to say was to commit to the Lord would do, which means, Lord, I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. And we'll get that in just a minute. I know you know this, but often in the Bible, our love for God, our love for God is emphasized more than I think maybe it is in our lives today. Uh, a lot of you know this all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, the Lord our God is one God. And then he says this, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And he says this, you, will, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Do we? I mean, do we really demonstrate? And I think what we need to understand about this is, is that God knows. Maybe there's a little bit of a sense that I can get away with uh, being a jerk sometimes for my wife and not being as loving as I should be to her, but we're talking about Almighty God. That same quote is mentioned in Matthew. Jesus said to him, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And one of the things that I love about these verses is, notice I just made some of the font red. With all... In other words, love here is a commitment. Is a commitment. The Apostle Paul later on wrote about this, where I know you know this verse too. 2 Corinthians 5 says, For the love of Christ compels us, (coughs) it motivates us, or drives us. In other words, the motive in our life is that our love for God, that's what is the highest motivation. So I think, folks, that here at, at the end of this, conversation uh, that the last conversation that, J- that christ ever had with peter was was this is peter do you love me that way with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all your strength and is that really what drives you and i think the lord's asking us that today how do we move from ladders or shoots and la- shoots to ladders how do we move that i think it's a commitment to, to the lord that we're willing to say lord I'll do whatever it is that you want me to do because I love you. And that brings us to 1 John 4, where it says, We love him because he first loved us. So here's the application question for number one is that, do we love the Lord more than anything or anyone else? Do we love the Lord? Don't forget, he knows. He's almighty, all-knowing God, and he knows our love. I think the thing that drives us from circumstances to commitment is our our love for the Lord. I think the thing at the end that gets us to commit is is our love for the Lord. Um, I have one other verse there in the notes, right? John 3.16, I've said it. I've quoted it a couple times already this morning. And I added that, um, and I know it's one of the most familiar verses in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I was was a five-year-old kid, child evangelism fellowship, missionary good news club in downtown Montrose, Pennsylvania when I heard Rosemary Clark talk about John 3.16. And it hit me that day, and I look back on my life, but I'm so thankful I believe God kept his word, that God loved me enough to send his son to die for me, that I should love him enough to give my life to him. Do we love the Lord more than anything else? Let me... Well, I'll... I'll get to that in just a minute. Um, That brings us to number two. The second thing, topics that we're looking at that Jesus talked to Peter about, was feed my sheep. Now, if you look at that, and I read, again, from the New King James, notice that there's three, I believe it's intentional, folks, delineations of this phrase. Okay, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? Simon, do you love me more than these? Look around. And, and notice that there's, that they're different. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Okay? Let's talk about that just for a little bit quickly. Notice that there's two different words. This is New King James, but two different English words, which has to do with how Peter <coughs> was to react to that. Feed and tend. Okay? The word feed here actually means to past, not, not, like, not like milk, pasteurized, like, but, but, but to pasteurize, like take the, the sheep out to pasture take to, to, and, and help feed them. The other idea is to tend, which, thank you very much, which really has the idea of shepherd. Now, here's the thing I think it's important for us to understand. Gee, thank you. I think the thing that's, that's important for us to understand about this in all of scripture the most common metaphor, the most common illustration that God uses for his church is the idea of sheep with a shepherd. We have talked and talked with you about that about the role of a shepherd. <coughs> Pastor Todd and me here here at this church is shepherding the idea of sheep. I've talked with you about this uh, in messages in the past. So so Peter Here was hearing the Lord talk about that analogy. He also talks about the difference between lambs and sheep. Which again, I don't think is circumstantial. I don't think it's just uh, happenstance that, that Christ said that. So I think there's a couple things. Number one is this implies intentionality. And this also implies growth. So remember, we we talked about this in our series on the church. I think here's something that's important for us to understand, is that growing in Christ is a process, and it's also something that requires intentionality. And folks, I also think that Peter understood. Remember, Peter was the one that was there when Christ said to him, I will build my church and the gates of hell not prevail against it. In other words, I think the Lord was saying to Peter, I think the Lord was saying this to Peter, Be involved in my work. In other words, if you love me, you will be involved in what I think is important. Did you hear me? If you love me, then you're going to be involved in the things, the Lord is saying this, in the things that I think are important. Another little chart there at the corner. I think in looking at this, feed my lambs, tend my lambs, there is an idea that this is a collective Uh, plural action there's also very much specifically that it was an individual thing and notice I believe that in all of this that the very next thing humanly in the chronological sequence of Peter's life is that the Lord goes back to heaven gives them the great commission they wait in Jerusalem for the coming of the Holy Spirit and the Lord starts his church and Peter becomes the spokesman the leader for the church So here in this last conversation, the Lord's having breakfast with Peter. And he says to Peter, if you love me, here's what I want you to do. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. He's he's saying, Peter, be involved in my work. And I think Peter understood that. And I think in other words, the Lord was saying to Peter, if you love me, if you love me, you'll do what I want you to do. Which is, I think, exactly what the Lord's saying to us today. Mel, do you love me? Then be involved in what I want you to do. Do what I want you to do. Instead, this goes back to the last message on the great decision. Instead of being involved in what I want to do, what Mel wants to do. Yeah, and then then there's this verse in John 21. John 21 verse 18 says, Most assuredly, this is important. This is the Lord talking to Peter. Most assuredly, this will happen. Most assuredly. I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, You will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And then it's almost like the Apostle John adds this so that we would get it. This he spoke, verse 19, signifying by what death he would glorify God. In other words, Christ was saying to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Are you willing to do what I want you to do? Are you willing to be involved in my work? No matter what. Peter, do you love me that much, no matter what? And I love the phrase, by what death you would glorify God. Now, God's not saying to all of us that our day is coming, that we're going to have to suffer, that we're going to have to be crucified or be martyred like that or whatever. But I think the Lord is saying to us, are we willing to do what God wants us to do no matter what? And I think our answer is, Lord, if I love you, I think here's what we do. This is what Peter did. Lord, if it's convenient, you know I like you. You know I have a fond affection for you. You know and i and i you know how i'm fond of this how i have this affection and the lord saying my your love for me love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind with all is a whole lot more than just fitting god in it's doing what god says no matter what being involved in god's work no matter what so i think as we wrap this up the application for this question is this are you or am I willing to do what God wants us to do no matter what? You've heard my story before. I, 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 had, to camp, I had to come to a place in my life where I was willing to say, in my life it happened in a hospital bed in Scranton, Pennsylvania after surgery, where I was willing to say, okay, God, I'll give my life to you. And that wasn't anything spooky. It wasn't anything you know, like weird, it was me making the commitment to say, Lord Lord God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. So I think that's the application here from Peter saying, what the Lord saying to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, is that are we willing to do what God has to do, which, which is being involved in what God wants us to be involved in in the world today. Number three, and I'm done, number three. His third thing, which I have talked with you a lot about because I want this to characterize my life, folks, is that the Lord said, Okay, follow me. Now, I read to you the verse. Verse 18 and 19 said this Most assuredly, when I say to you, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish, but when you're old, you will stretch out your arms and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish to go. Verse 19, he spoke this, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. I think Peter never got that out of his mind. That the Lord said, most assuredly the Lord said. And so Peter knew that that that's what God wanted. He loved the Lord that much that he was willing to do what God wanted him to do no matter what. The next time is probably more convicting, and in a sense, that one's tough, okay? This one is probably more real life to all of us. Look at the next part of the story, all right? Then Peter. This is so human. Then Peter, verse 20. The Lord said to him, Peter, you're going to die, and I want you to follow me. Okay? In English, it says, he's talking about Peter dying here. So then verse 20 says, Then Peter... It makes sense. Humanly, we get this. Then, Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. John is writing. John's that guy writing. And he says, also the one that leaned on his breast at supper. Just so you didn't know. In case you didn't know, John is saying, I'm talking about me here. So Peter turns around, sees the apostle John, and says, and and, and John is the one that said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? John's the one who said that about Judas. Verse 21 says, Peter, seeing him, John, says to Jesus, But Lord, what about this guy? That is so, folks, so, so human. Verse 22 said, Jesus said to him, If I will, that he remain till I come. What is that to you? You follow me. I mentioned a couple times that that is so human. The Lord is giving Peter a very pointed, very personal conversation about sheep and about love. Right away, Peter says, yeah, but what about this guy? Don't we want to do that? Don't we want to deflect And say, what about, we do that, we all do that. Hey, what about them? They're the ones who need this. In fact, I think sometimes when we hear messages like this, humanly in our minds, we're thinking, you know who needs to hear this is blank. And I think the Lord is saying, what is that to you? You follow me. You know another one? I think that's so human. And that is, did you ever have, in In christianity in christendom did you ever have somebody else hurt you or did you ever have somebody else that you thought was a person of god you thought humanly they were better than that and they sin and they disappoint you yeah we've all got stories right we've all got those stories Someone that we thought was a man of God, someone that we thought was going to be there no matter what, and they disappoint us, they mess up. I think that's why here in this passage the Lord is saying, yeah, what is that to you? You love the Lord, you follow me. I've shared this with you. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Acts chapter 11 where the church was new. God was blessing. The Antioch church had become, was about to become the sending church. The Jerusalem church sends Barnabas. Barnabas, the guy that gets there, Acts 11 says, he got there and he encouraged them all. Don't you love people like that? The great encourager? Don't you love people like that? And praise God if there are people in your life that are like that. Praise God. But let's be that kind of person. In the middle of all that, incredible numbers were getting saved. People were coming to the Lord. In the middle of all that, Barnabas leaves and he goes to Tarsus to get Saul. The guy that you need here is Saul. And it comes back and they ministered for a year with the people there. And it says there that uh, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Barnabas was there, Saul was there. And at the end of that year, no one called them little Barnabases. No one called them. If there's anybody that had strong personality in the New Testament, right, it's Saul, soon to be the Apostle Paul. No one called them little Sauls. Even commentators say that was a derogatory term. They called them little Christs. The end result of our ministries must be that we point people at Jesus. Peter turns around and he sees John and he says to the Lord, what about that guy? Can't you just picture it? The Lord stops, looks at Peter right in the eye, and he says, what is that to you? You follow me. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Be involved in my work. Do what I want you to do. Follow me. I've said this to you before. In the Bible, there's two incredible ideas about this principle of following Jesus. The first thing that Jesus ever said to Peter, first thing Jesus ever said to Peter was, follow me that's a word that means discipleship it's a word that means learn from me the last thing that humanly that privately that jesus ever said to peter was peter follow me you know what that one means stay close to me stay close to me i think what the lord is saying to us peter mel do you love me Yeah, Lord, you know I have a fondness for you. I'll fit you in if I can. The Lord said, if you love me, then commit. Then do what I want you to do. And here's how. Learn from me, but stay close to me. Follow me. The uh, application, if you will, is do we understand that staying close to Christ and learning from Him should be the top priorities in our life why because we love him we know that god loves us do we love him enough to make that the priority of life i think that's what christ was telling peter let me pray father i thank you for your word this is a familiar passage john 21 and we've heard messages we probably have father heard messages about this before a little bit maybe different idea this morning but god you've spoken to me and i pray that you'd you'd speak to all of us here that are your that are indeed your followers and that is we would be willing to say lord i love you enough to do what you want me to do and father i'll stay close to you i'll learn from you father my prayer is for our church for me For my wife for my family is that we would stay close to jesus humanly it's so easy to get our eyes on other people and i think the lord would say to me too what is that to what is that to you you follow me god help us out of our love for you to follow you and to follow you closely stay close to you god i just pray that you'd work in lives of people that are here and as we close this service god i pray that all of us would respond saying lord i love you enough to do this blank i mean, i love you enough to do what you want me to do father thank you for your word and as we close the service god i just pray that you work in all of our hearts and help us to respond to what you tell us to do because we love you all our heart all our mind all our soul We're going to mess up, we're humans, but help us to commit because that's what you want for us to do. Father, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray.